Hey, welcome to Echo by CSE Sock. I'm Anjini and I'm a first year CompSci student. And I'm Julian and I'm in my second year also doing CompSci. In this episode of the Personal Project series, we'll be talking to a former CSE student, ex-CSE Sock co-president, Adam Tazzoni. Even though he's recently graduated, he's still been involved in CSE SOC as the project lead for the CSE SOC Jobs Board. Yeah. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. How would you like to introduce yourself today? Um, my name's Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so also, what is your biggest flex? I'd probably say I once got to meet one of the people on the team who invented the patent we know as Wi-Fi which was pretty cool. Um, I was very thankful for that opportunity. I even got to speak to them for a very, very small amount of time. But yeah, I'd probably say that's probably one of my proudest moments as a, as a software engineer, at least. I think that's the biggest flex we've heard so far. Really? <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Yeah. So uh, speaking of CompSci, what degree were you doing and when did you, when did you start? Yep, so I did a combined degree of computer science, Bachelor of Computer Science, and a Bachelor of Mechatronics Engineering. And that was from 2015, finishing off at the end of 2019. And so now that you've graduated, uh, you've been working on the CSE SOC Jobs Board uh, on your own now. Can you tell us a little bit about what this project is? Yep, so the current CSE SOC Jobs Board, as it stands, is a replacement of the previous CSE school jobs board um, and the aim of this jobs board is essentially to be a replacement for it with the emphasis and aim of the keeping the best interests of the students in mind. So what that means is um, making sure all companies that enroll into this jobs board that they are first verified obviously to be a legitimate company um, as well as each individual job post being verified by a person to ensure that they follow the appropriate guidelines. So stuff like um, the Fair Work Act, about unpaid internships, and to make sure that they're not something that may put a student in danger or not look forward to their you know, best interests. How did you get involved in this project in the first place? I'd probably say, actually, you know what, I remember exactly when... I got asked. Um, it was O week, beginning of 2018, term one, or semester one. Um, yeah, I just kind of got asked, hey, do you want to do this? Um, was try starting out some new pro software projects. I was like, yeah, sure, sounds good. I was up for the challenge. Had it been started before you began, or was it just an idea at that point? It was just an idea at that point. So you've been, have you been involved in also like coming up with like the vision uh, for this project? Yeah, so obviously when the idea for the project was, I guess, come up with, there was some idea about what function it would have, what it is effectively replacing, what, you know, what it contributes back to the students to, you know, provide a place for job posts, you know, jobs for students, right? Um, but that being said, there was a lot of leeway to sort of figure out what we as a team wanted out of it. So even before any code was written, even before we knew what we were writing it in, it was just discussed between myself and the team then what we wanted it to do. Details like, okay, well, we want a list of jobs 
in general. We want to narrow it down for a specific company. We want to be able to search them. We want to have a verification system in place, that sort of thing. So all that was something that us as a team sort of came up with, or we wanted the, to set these goals for us as a team to complete for the project. So yes, we were allowed to have some uh, influence in the vision of the project itself. Right, because you want to, if you're making something, you want to have some ownership of it. You want to, you know, plant the seeds to make it grow into something even you'd use. Like, I, if I, like, if I was in a first year's position, I'd want to have a place to search for internships, search for casual jobs, you know, start getting some real world experience. So, yeah. Yeah, as a first year student, I totally understand that. Um, yeah. I've, been, I've been in the beta testing. Uh, trying to, hoping there's a couple more jobs opening up. Um, I think it's really cool because I've always wanted a place. It seems that a lot of um, openings are more like for, geared towards penultimate and graduate students. So would you say that that CSE SOC jobs board is more for everyone? I'd, I'd hope so. Obviously it's dependent on, you know, the actual jobs that are placed there, right? The job needs to exist in order for it to be placed there. So if you want to apply, you know, the process is there for you. Just going back to that brainstorming phase, what did that exactly look like? Because I'm just picturing your whole team just sitting in a room, like throwing ideas up on the whiteboard. Was it just like that or a more formal process? It's kind of probably a more informal process. I tried to initiate the process by having some, you know, very general view of what I wanted to do. To do and then, you know, presented that to the team. Here's my thoughts on, you know, I want this particular project to do one, two, and three. What do you think? Should we do number one this way or that way? Should we, like, just to try and invoke that sort of discussion? And then, as it would be, a lot more future features um, were born out of that discussion. A better understanding and group-wide understanding of what we wanted to look like was then sort of was born from that. We then, after that, had a better understanding. So if we wanted a particular page to look this way, we knew what we wanted on there. We were able to then make up wireframes, for example, with what we wanted on the particular page or whatnot, um, with an informed idea of what we're actually doing in the first place. The process wasn't as formal as it could be, but we figured out a way and made it work, which that in itself you could even see as a growth experience for everyone, right? I'm sure we've all had group projects before, and yeah, you sort of find what works because every team is unique. Everyone in the team is unique. Everyone has a certain way of doing things. You're able to acknowledge that, harness that. You know, you can really find a way to make the team gel get things done, etc. How is it different running, um, working on this as a project lead, managing a team, compared to maybe doing this completely on your own? Um, that's a very good question. I guess it was different because as a lead, you have a lot more accountability, right? It was you, up to you as the team lead to make sure 
people got stuff done to, you know, check up on everyone. Like I, I wanted to make sure as a team lead, um, whether there was anything blocking people's progress, whether people needed a break. Because of course, one thing I emphasized as a team lead was to like your studies are your priority, right? I don't, the last thing I'd want is studies to be affected by something like this. So if people need, if they needed to take time off, focus on their studies, if they had a bunch of exams or assignments coming up, you know, work out a way so that they can do what they need to do. If you need to re-delegate or take up some of their tasks yourself, you do it that way. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and also, like, how much were you coding yourself at that point? Or were you trying to delegate more? I still, like, I guess my approach as a team leader is I would still want to be involved in the development process. So, yes, I was also contributing to the code base at that time and sort of trying to lay down groundwork for the others to, you know, make more complex and complex features. Speaking of delegation, were there any specified roles within the team? For example, like a front-end person, I mean, you've got a back-end person or anything like that? Yep. Generally, um, at the beginning, they weren't as locked in because at the time, a great majority of them, of both teams, were consisting of mostly first years, some second years students. So at the very beginning, those particular roles weren't as... I guess, locked in. However, after some time, we sort of understood, okay, well, my interests lie in front-end design, my interests lie in database operations, my interests lie in, you know, the API, for example. And it sort of naturally formed um, small groups within the wider group that focused on those particular tasks. So people who work together on the front end, people who work together on the back end, that sort of thing. If I'm correct, uh, now it's a solo project. So how did that sort of evolve from uh, having a couple teams do it um, into what it is now? Um, well, that's a very, very deep question, actually. Um, the project has evolved a lot in the past, I guess, now three years. Um, fun fact, this project has actually been sort of written three times now. Not necessarily all the way to complete finished products, but in, in 20, you know, 2018 and 2019 and 2020, they all looked quite different to each other. That is That, I think, is important to be able to recognize, hey, maybe we should have done this a different way. Um, and that process of iterating and better, getting a better understanding of, okay, well, now we're you know, deep into this project, what are some things going into it that we now know that would have influenced that decision and you know, influenced the change of technology, for example? So, yeah, it's the not only the teams, but the project itself has evolved a lot over time. As to what it's the difference is between the you know beginning compared to now, doing it solo. Um, I guess now that it's matured a lot, there's a lot less team-wide things that need to be done. So a lot now is 
maintenance. All it now is updating. If there's a feature to be done, it can be done, you know, relatively quickly or, you know, if the time needs to be dedicated to it, it can be put in at a, you know, slightly slower rate because back over time, the foundation for that to be built upon has already been laid. So I guess it's not too much of a big difference in that case because a lot of the fundamental decisions, a lot of the fundamental processes had already been worked out. So it was just a matter of implementing and implementing them and making sure they were correct. So you, would you say like the original, I guess, purpose and vision behind Jobs Board has been maintained since 2018? I think the core of it has. Some fine details have changed throughout the years, you know, working out what we're going to, what features should have been prioritised, what gives the most value to those who use it, the students. Um, yeah, it's, the, I'd say the core has changed, has, has not changed, um, but little fine details have. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on maybe an example of a finer details and maybe why, what caused it to be changed? Yep. Um, so, for example, a finer detail would have been stuff like tags for jobs. Tags, in this case, referring to, say, I've got a jobs post that is based in Sydney and uses technologies A, B and C. It would ideally have searchable tags associated with that particular jobs post. So if I wanted to look up, you know, um, a job that focused on embedded system design, that would be a tag. And then entering that tag would bring up all the jobs that also had it. Yeah, so that's an example of one small feature where it was a good idea, a useful one, but, you know, it's more of a nice to have rather than a we need to have. So you're just kind of building on top of what you already have, just improving or adding new features then. Exactly. And like going back to like what, with what you said about building on top of it, it's also good to recognize when you've made something, you've pushed a feature and you realize, hey, I sh probably could have gone about that a different way, a better way, right? Us as you know, engineers, we learn over time. We refine our methods of doing it. We learn new things. So... Even rec like, I find the ability to recognize that, hey, I could have done this better. Let's use what I now know, the new knowledge that I now know to make this better is also really useful in that point of building up upon what you already have because to recognize its faults and to improve on it, right? Yourself growing as an engineer. So when, you, when you're talking about kind of rebuilding something that you've already done before in a better or improved way, is that more when you're working on it solo or how would that work in a team environment then it's kind of telling someone that we could do it this way or something was there any pushback in any case like that or that didn't happen at all uh, generally in this case the large changes happened when the new teams came in so what i mean by that is there was a team in 2018 then in 2019 most were unable to stay on due to their own reasons and we a whole bunch of new students joined and then it sounded like a natural time where the, those who were on the team agreed hey we probably should have could have done this a better way and there was 
still processes some code that we could migrate to it. So it wasn't like we were starting absolutely with absolutely nothing three times, right? It was more of a, I guess, migration. Uh, with those migrations, would you say they were more motivated by uh, you wanted to change some of the technicalities of how things were implemented or maybe uh, like what features were being implemented or what features were emphasised in the final product? Probably more the technical details of it rather than the features themselves. So like, yeah, for example, a change in database technology, going from SQLite to, you know, MySQL or um, changing what front-end framework we used, stuff like that. So the core, how the features happened, like what they did, didn't change. Not that much, but the technologies that they were implemented in, yes, they did. Okay, yeah, so those uh, technical changes um, that you made, such as like changing the um, technology that you use, did that end up changing the user experience or is it mainly just an improvement in behind the scenes, behind the scenes improvement, making it easier for you guys to, um, to maintain, I guess? Yeah, so it was more the behind the scenes. Obviously, there were some changes in the user's experience, but there were very minute ones. Yeah, can you elaborate a little bit more on what technologies are currently being implemented? Yep, so for the jobs board, um, the front end, so what you see, is written in Vue.js, and the back end is written using Node um, with TypeScript. So mostly JavaScript-based, um, but TypeScript is used both through Vue and through Node.js, which gives a nice little bit of uh, formality to JavaScript. But what it also means is in the future, if I'm no longer maintaining this, someone who is familiar with JavaScript can just jump right in, fix what they need to fix, maintain what they need to maintain, and it would reduce the amount of time they need to spend to um, upskill to be able to do that. And having both the two, back, the, both the front end and the back end with a common language also helps that as well. So you don't, don't need to learn two different languages at the same time just to fix one thing, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's the two languages. What was the decision-making process like behind choosing those languages then? They were quite, not necessarily the most new architectures and frameworks. They were ones which over time I sort of, I kind of saw were widely adapted, continually updating. Like to put in perspective, the original, like the very first iteration had a Ruby on Rails backend and a React frontend back before like we're talking almost three years ago, back before a lot of changes were made to React, right? The second iteration being Golang and using the newer version of React at the time. So it's it sort of evolved because over time, as you sort of grow as an engineer, right, you come to the realizations, maybe I didn't need to overcomplicate things. Ruby on Rails, it's a great, it's great at what it does. 
But my main concern and one of the main motivations for moving off it was there's a lot to learn up front that you need to just understand and know before you can dive straight in, right? If I'm giving this pen, this project off to someone else who might not be familiar with it, they're going to spend a lot more time understanding it, then understanding the way it's been implemented, and then you know, building upon that. The motivations were more for ease of development and ease of, I guess, handing off. If it's in a quite commonly used language or framework, that's useful in the future because then someone else can jump straight into it. They might even already have used it before and you know they can go straight into maintaining, straight into building new features even if they needed to. So yeah, that's the main motivation as to why it was, it is the way it is now. Seems like it evolved quite a lot, but... <laughs> Where do you exactly draw the line then between like, okay, there's this new technology out, let's redevelop it using this, or can we just finish this already? Let's just get it done. Yeah, uh, that's a, you raise a very, very good point. I think it's more of just a mutual understanding. Like, we've kind of just agreed, yeah, we've overcomplicated this. Like, all the major decisions, I wanted to make a point of mentioning we need to agree on this as a group because we're a team. We're not one person, we're a team. Are you happy with this current uh, set of frameworks that you're using? I, I'm pretty, uh, let's say, 99% certain it's going to stay the way it is now. It's pretty much, Jobs Board is already at almost, very, very, very close to a public beta to be announced. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, as well as CAT, which I don't think we've brought up yet. Would you like to bring up CAT? Yeah, sure. Um, so, CAT which is short for CEC SOC Attendance Tracker, is a replacement for an old system called Bark. You can sort of see where the name came from. Um, and what this mobile application did was basically take attendance at any CEC SOC event, and it was essentially a replacement for ArcForms. So back then, in the, in the days of Bark, um, it used a barcode scanner to scan the barcode on your UNSW student ID card. Something happened in 2017 where some barcodes were printed in a way such that the barcode reader couldn't read them at all, um, which caused the need to change you know, the application, how it read the student cards, because we were getting to the point where we could only you know, read half of the attendance, right? If it can't read everyone's, if it can't complete its job, there needs to be some fixing done, there needs to be a modification. Um, so that's this new iteration and it's now able to take advantage of the um, NFC capabilities of your phone. So much like you tap into a room at on campus, um, you can tap your card on the person who is taking the attendance onto the phone or whatever NFC reader they've got in, they've got with them and you've already signed up for on the arc, on the digital arc form. That's actually so handy. How close is that one to completion? Very. But uh, the jobs board testing is... Yeah, it's definitely almost ready. Um, it's just contingent on a few things, but those should hopefully be sorted very soon. But the jobs board itself as a product, as a piece of software, is basically ready to use. Um, yeah, just a couple of little tiny things we need to 
fix up before we can do a public beta. And what I mean by public beta is soon. I can't exactly say how long, but very soon. Um, there'll be a form going around just um, just asking for your ZIDs. The reason why we ask for the ZID is just so we know um, who to restrict access to for the public beta, for the open public beta. Um, yeah, so very soon, very soon. So for, is it just for now that it's UNSW only? Do you see that this uh, job sword is open to everyone later or are we keeping it to UNSW? Um, it's a very good question, uh, one that I'm not even sure about. Although, like, currently it is limited just to computer science, but that's not to say that we could spin up one for, say, another school in the university. But, you know, that currently it's just a CSE SOC initiative, but there is the ability to expand further. Just quickly going into the technical details of this uh, uh, the jobs board, um, you mentioned a lot of technologies such as Ruby on Rails, React, and a whole plethora of others. Did you start with all the skills to know how to use these, or how did that process really develop? Short and quick answer, no. <laughs> um, no, they were, they were things which I had probably very, very briefly gone over. Um, because at the end of the day, it's not only a learning experience for the team, it's a learning experience for everyone on the team, including the project lead you'd want to be able to find a way to challenge yourself, to have yourself grow as an engineer so that the whole process was something you can come out of knowing more, knowing, like basically growing your skills, sharpening, you know, if you're particularly focused in backend applications, a way to challenge yourself to learn more about how real world backends or sorry real world apis are implemented right so yeah no i was not familiar with very familiar with the um technologies when i started them it was just basically an opportunity to learn something new what does that learning process look like then a lot of trial and error <laughs> try one thing if it doesn't work try another you know putting in the effort to learn, oh, okay, this is how it's done in language A. This is another way we could do it in language A. And just knowing that, you know, there's always going to be a bunch of ways to do the same thing and learning how to go about discovering those ways, getting familiar, reading documentation, documenting your own code, right? I can't, as a past tutor, I can... Always, I, I always want to emphasize how important documenting your own code is. It is incredibly important, right? Because like, for example, these projects, sure, it might be me working on it for now. It might, be work, it might still be me working on it in five years time. But eventually you're gonna reach a point where either yourself or the person who's working on it is not familiar with it, right? So if you're documenting your own work, you can come back to it and say, oh, okay, now I know why I did this. Sorry, I realised I went on a bit of a tangent there, but yeah. I mean, I think it's really invaluable advice uh, about the documentation, uh, something that perhaps a lot of people whipping up their own personal projects don't really think about, um, but is something that I guess is good to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. What, what exactly does that documentation process look like then? 
just a lot of comments everywhere or is there any formal document that you're making? Right, so it just depends on what um, system you're using. So stuff, something for like, um, for example, Node projects, Node.js projects, there are existing systems where if you write your comments in a particular way, say like um, for a function signature, it parses that and forms like a nice, basically auto-generates a web page you can go to that makes it look good, makes it easier to read rather than delving through all the code, finding which file has which document, which part of the documentation and looking at that. So for these projects, yes, I'm taking use of existing systems to aid not only the in-code documentation, but generate um, more easier to read, easier to digest documentation at the same time using the in-code comments. That's so handy. Is that something that ju it's just for Node.js? Do any other languages have this feature? Um, I'm sure they do. Like, there's, um, there's like there's a lot of a lot of common languages are still being actively developed upon, both for the language itself and also extensions upon it. So I'm sure there does exist some equivalent for other languages. Um, can you also for those who have just heard like a whole heap of <laughs> heap of names, uh, maybe. Uh, just go maybe like a quick like two or three uh, two or three sentence description of what each of the um, technologies are and why you chose them perhaps is this for the jobs board jobs board yeah yeah okay so um, the API so think of it like the behind the scenes the logic of the project um, this here was written in node.js which is basically a way of running Think of it like you've written a C program and you run it through your command line. This node is a way of allowing you to run JavaScript code from the command line and do other operations that you'd want to be able to do with a command line um, program. TypeScript is um, basically an extension upon JavaScript, which it gives a thing called type safety. What this means is it allows you to verify that a particular variable that you're using or a value that you're passing into a function conforms to a particular type, as in what structure it is. If I want just a string, I pass in a string. During the compilation process, those checks are made to make sure, hey, does this code pass in the right type as expected, um, much like a C compiler would do, right? You can't pass in a string as an integer. Well, you shouldn't be able to. So it sort of does that checking for JavaScript and then the compilation project process, which I say in heavy double quotes, um, basically converts it from that typed TypeScript to JavaScript after all those type checking operations and you know verifying the right parameters are passed in in the right way the output is JavaScript so yeah it just adds a bit of confidence that you know what you're passing into your functions and you know what you're actually doing whether it makes sense um, you know before you run it um, so that's APIs um, 
for front ends, there's a whole lot of options. Um, for the jobs board, we use, I, we use um, a framework called Vue.js, V-U-E. Like other frameworks, you might have heard React, you might have heard Angular. Um, they're all ways to generate HTML code and JavaScript um, functions so that you can make a web page behave the way and look the way you want it to. So there's a whole bunch of technologies out there, but the jobs board uses Vue to achieve that, which is built upon JavaScript. Was there any particular reason you chose Vue instead of like Angular or React? I actually um, had attempted to write it in Angular before and obviously React even before that. Um, I think Vue just kind of made the most sense to me. I could sort of work my way around it a bit easier. As to why that's the case, I'm not sure, but like everyone has strengths in different areas. So you find what you gel with and you know you make it you make it a tool rather than something that you have to battle against. You make it a tool to enable you to do what you want to do with it. Well, we've talked a lot about what's going to happen in the future with like you're, you're documenting your code, you're setting it up. Are there really any plans to hand it off sometime in the future or what's your decision making going to be like behind that? Um, to be determined. For the moment, you're just enjoying working on them. Yeah. And like, even though I've been working on this particular iteration for, I'd say, nine months now, it's always something which you can learn and develop more on. Like, you know, working on it in the last two weeks, I discovered something about how, like, a particular part of the logging infrastructure works that I just didn't know, you know, two months ago. So there's always there's always going to be something more you can learn. You'd need to have experience with a language for a very long time before you know everything about the language, right? That just comes with experience. It comes with time. So yeah, it's it's just still a learning experience. No matter how long you've used it for, you can still learn more and you can still develop your own understanding of it more. It sounds like you've put in so much time and investment uh, and effort into this um, and just not just the jobs board. So you've been developing CAT alongside this um, and I believe you have a full-time job as well. How do you find time to balance all of this? Uh, I believe there's a... Um... There's a quote from Jurassic Park from um, Jeff Goldblum, life finds a way. You just find a way that works. Like managing your time is very important and making sure you're committing to what you need to commit to, right? So, you know, obviously working full time, that is my biggest commitment. In spare time, I'd be working on these projects in the way that doesn't conflict in a way that it's it's its own independent thing and it's not interrupting anything else so yeah you just kind of find a way and manage your time because yeah you don't want to be overwhelmed at the same time by everything so yeah is this working on these projects something like a hobby of yours do you enjoy working on them well yeah do you just enjoy working on them yeah like I've always appreciated and respected the impact um, software can have on people's lives. And that's sort of like why I entered this career in the first place, what drove me 
to learn more about, you know, software engineering, computer science, um, because I, de I deeply respect and recognize the impact it can have on people's lives and um, do these po work on these projects, I mean, as a hobby to try and, you know, have some impact in whichever way I can. In the case of the jobs board, you know, uh, having a place for CSUC students to find and also aggregate jobs from the sponsors of the society, for example. It's providing an aid. It's contributing to helping other people, right? And that's what really drives it. So yes, it's a hobby, but it's almost like a passion project. Like you've, I'm driven for the impact it could have. Speaking of your, your reasoning behind why you code and why you treat it like this, when was your first time, when, when was that light bulb moment of like, yeah, this is what I want to do? That's a very good question. Um, I'm not... I'm not too sure if I can pinpoint an exact moment. I just just been there as long as you can remember, kind of. I don't know. It just it's just sort of something which I've come to appreciate over time, and seeing like like stuff like for example, um, I believe it's called Folding at Home, which is a initiative. It basically creates a distributed supercomputer across um, many many different machines, utilizing unused processing power to you know work towards research different various types of research stuff like that you see and you're like wow that's really cool someone had the idea to be able to create a system where immense computing power it can be used for research so like um for example finding cures to currently incurable diseases it can be it can have impacts on people's lives which you looking at it, you know, directly, you're like, well, what does this do? I don't understand the impact of this. But once you understand that, like, these projects from the, from the conception of the idea to its implementation has impacted so many people. And that's sort of like, I wouldn't say a light bulb moment, but that's sort of what drew me and inspired me to follow the career that I have. Was this before you actually begin st began studying computer science? I can't pinpoint exactly when I knew it was the right thing. Uh, or I, I should say, I can't pinpoint exactly when I knew it was what I wanted to, what career path I wanted to follow. Um, honestly, I just thought um, after exiting high school and when you know you had to put in the um, preferences, I just thought, hey, why not give software engineering a go? It is pretty cool. Like you can achieve and have such a great, such a wide impact. Let's give it a go. Let's see how it goes. If it's the right decision, right decision, great. If it's not, we can always look, search towards something else. So I just, I sort of gave it a go. Well, I mean, for students who are maybe listening and also kind of uh, and are inspired by sort of the idea of making a massive impact with software, with projects. Do you have any advice for those students who might be starting out with that goal? Yeah, um, absolutely. Plan your goal. Like, if I was to give any advice, I'd probably say plan your goals um, in a way which doesn't shove you in the deep end directly. 
right? So what I'm translating that, <laughs> what I'm trying to mean by that is like, they don't feel like you're pressured to come up with the next big thing, right? You don't need the pressure on your shoulders. Start with something small. Start with, you know, if you want to learn how to build a website that does anything, create a, um, a web page that brings up the text hello world, for example. Set a goal for that. If you start small, you can achieve that goal. Once you've achieved that goal, set a slightly bigger goal. For example, we're creating that web page that displayed hello world. Well, how about we now make a web page that when you click a button, it makes hello world appear on the screen and then develop that. So, you know, if I click that button, it shows other things multiple times, right? And slowly setting your goals in a way that helps you just learn just a little bit more and just a little bit more. And over time, you'll you'll make something and yourself, you know, two weeks or a month prior would have thought, I would have never thought that I would have gotten this far, right? But because you set your goals in a, um, in a way that helped you make little steps to get towards a bigger goal, like that would be my advice. Set your goals in a way to help you grow in a feasible way. I want to say the jobs board and cat uh, have been pretty big steps. <laughs> so what, what were your crawling steps before that? Um, making, I guess, just making a web page that when I clicked the button, made a call to some API. Like I made a really simple thing, which when it got any request, it was like, hello world back and display that on the page. You got to start somewhere. However you do it, it's obviously your own way. Everyone, everyone works differently. So experiment, see what works for you. You've also got this really unique perspective as someone who's operated as a team leader. What advice do you have for someone who's also been just kind of thrown into the deep end and given this team to work with? If I've, I guess one of the most important things I think that I've learned in my leadership experience, both you know through CCSOC and through the projects, is one of the most important things I think is earning the respect of your team. Your teammates have volunteered their own time to contribute to a cause, right? The cause in this case being your project, for example, or really anything that you're working towards. A team, I guess, a team won't respect you outright. We've all done group projects before, right? There's a lot more than just working on a project. Understanding how people in the team work, right? Everyone's different. Everyone thinks a different way. Everyone, no, no two people are the same. Everyone's unique. They're individual. So going into it, understanding that and trying to find a way to make things work. Working towards you know, a common goal making compromises. There's, there's not gonna be any clear cut way to gain someone's respect in a team, right? That's something you gotta put the effort in, put the time in for. Like, that's a piece of advice I'd have to anyone who wants to lead a team. Nothing comes for free. No, for sure. How do you think you, uh, like, I guess, learn how to, I guess, work in a team and like gain the respect of your team members? 
okay, if I was to say one, th- if I was to say one thing, I do think having communication and a solid way of communicating in your team, and I don't just mean oh let's message each other on Messenger. I mean like being honest to each other, having the I guess self awareness to be able to admit, hey, I can't keep up with this. I've got uh, my studies are more like my studies are my priority. I need to focus on those and respecting that. So allowing for people to be honest, to be truthful, making a compromise um, because of that and, you know, being fair, right? Never once did I mention to any of my teams, I want you to work on this tonight, right? I always, I always ask them before they take on a new feature, for example, do, do you think that you'd have the time to do this? And I reiterated many times, I just want you to be honest. If you can't do it, that's totally fine. I understand. I'm, I'm also, back then, I was also a student, right? So I understand what's going on. Everyone, no, everyone has a different situation. And allowing for that system of communication to be there so that you can make those compromises is really valuable. Um, See, so yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't answer the original question of like how to um, how to earn that respect. It just it just, it differs for everyone. Totally, but I think you still answered with some very good advice. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think also looping back to yourself, um, where do you see these projects being? Maybe in like a year's time. Hopefully, being used. Um, hopefully, you know my 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 goal. Like my, the, the reason why I'm going towards this is hopefully, you know, one day someone gets a job out of a job post they see on this board. That would, even if it's just one person, that's one person's life, life that I may have impacted, right? Which is the whole reason I started this to begin with. So yeah, just having them, I guess, being used, having them being improved to suit better to those who use it for the jobs board being the students, for CAT being the um, society as a whole. Um, but yeah, like in a year's time, I just, my goal is to impact someone else's life with them in a positive way to help them achieve more. And I think that I can speak for a lot of other CSE students and that I'm very excited for this project. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to be looking to use something like this to get a job. That warms my heart. Obviously, these two projects, um, you're starting to see them uh, be released into the world. Have you got anything else that you want to come up with and maybe maybe like the next step? I'll be honest, I haven't really thought too much about that. I've kind of been focusing my efforts on these two projects. Um, Who knows what's next? That's the beauty of, of, you know life isn't it you never know what's coming up it's you got a new challenge to face that you probably don't even know about yet but like i guess that's the the beauty of it i'm not sure if any of that made sense no totally leaving it open yeah yeah like life you got to work with the cards you're dealt so yeah i welcome anything that comes next okay well those are thank you for your time adam that's actually you brought up a lot of good advice and it was really really insightful to kind of pick your brain and take a look at all these different projects and especially your unique perspective as being a team lead 
and juggling all of his different responsibilities. Thank you very much for your time and for the opportunity. I'm, I feel very honoured for having the opportunity to even be a pod, part of this podcast. So thank you very much. It's really great to have you. So we're always on the lookout for more student projects. So if you've got something exciting to feature, you can get in touch with us through the email on the CSCSOC media page. Thank you everyone for listening and thank you Adam again and we hope our listeners took away something just as insightful as we did. <laughs>